Hello and welcome to another episode of the Breachside Broadcast, home of the finest vox casting either side of the breach. On today's episode, we catch up with Summerteeth Jones and Ma Tuckett as they launch their raid on Hollow Point. The gremlins are trying to steal the Leviathan, the bane of Kythera. Together, the Jones and Tuckett clans are a force to be reckoned with. But first, they have to stop fighting and feuding amongst themselves. I hope you enjoy the conclusion of the Anti-Kythera Mecha Mystem. This episode of the Breach Star Broadcast is brought to you by the Bayou Boat Shop. We sell rowboats, dories, punts and barges at unbelievably low prices. They're perfect for trawling the bayou in search of catfish, or for simply drifting down a lazy river swigging from a bottle of moonshine. And you can use that bottle to bail water when it starts to leak. Drink up! Mars' plan was not going to work. Summer wasn't a complete and total idiot. He knew she wanted to embarrass him by sending him into battle without a good hat. Now he had a really great hat. And there would be lots of glory. Glory was the best. And of course, he was about to kill a bunch of Tuckets getting across the frost run. Not all the Tuckets, of course, but enough. The two families had gathered on the south bank of the frost run, all of them likely wondering why there weren't any boats nearby. Normally, if the gremlins were going to attempt a raid to the other side of the river, they would get their boats ready under the cover of darkness and launch them without any torches, till the humans wouldn't see them coming. Now they were meeting just after sunset, and there were clearly no boats anywhere to be seen. What's with all the weird time in summer? Mar asked. You know this ain't how we cross the run. The Tuckets and the Joneses were set up like they were set to battle each other instead of the humans, with Summer's clan on the west and Mar's clan on the east. The dull shine of weapons made the whole landscape a green-gray mess. Have a little bit of patience and a little bit of faith, Summer said. We got some stuff up our sleeves, too. Just y'all wait. He tried not to snicker and give his part of the plan away, but he couldn't help it. A little chuckle escaped from his lips like a small, drunken burp. Ma gave him a sideways look, but didn't ask any more questions. This was it, the moment that Summer had been waiting for. He was about to embarrass the Tuckets and probably kill a good side of them in the process. Not enough to make the raid on Hollow Point a failure, but enough to make them weak and ripe for the picking once Summer got his hands on the Leviathan technology. This was just the start of his clever, multi-stage plan. Ezekiel approached the front of the Tuckett gaggle, 
scanning up and down for the most impressionable of them. Of course, all of them looked impressionable and mindless, but Ezekiel claimed to have an eye for these sorts of things. Since Bokors were about mind control, Summer supposed that maybe Zeke had some extra insight into the mind that Summer didn't. To Summer, they all looked like idiots. Gremlins, as a rule, didn't like magic all that much, except those Gautro, who practically worshipped the damn stuff. Normally, even Summer would be a little put off by all the glowing hands and booming voices and all that. This time, however, the anticipation of his victory overrode his fear, allowing him to stare into the mystical maneuvers of Ezekiel with something approaching a Gautro-like wonder. He snickered again. Join hands, all of you, the Bokor said, his voice booming like thunder. Make a bridge of gremlins across the frost run. The targeted Tuckett gremlin's eyes went wide, his mouth slightly slack. His whole body snapped into rigidity, and his hands curled into fists. For a moment, it looked as though he was about to enter a deep sleep. His eyes half rolled back into his head. Summer grinned. This was going to be beautiful. Suddenly, the Tuckett snapped back into awareness, looking Ezekiel squarely in the face. Are y'all out of your damn mind, the Tuckett said. No. I told you it wouldn't work, Ezekiel said, his voice adjusting back to normal. Okay, everyone, Summer said, waving his hands in the air. New plan. Any ideas? We got boats, someone said. We're going to use the boats, Summer said. All aboard. Luckily for everyone, the frost run had been tamed by a long spell of cold, dry weather, decreasing the melt from the mountains high above that fed the river's raging waters and lent it its name. Sure, they lost half a dozen boats to the raging waters, but everyone knew that was bound to happen. If you were too dumb to paddle through, you were probably too dumb to fight the Union and break into Hollow Point, and that was exactly what they were going to do. Right after they finished sacking this village, we don't have time to be playing around, Moss said to Summer, as he supervised a group of Joneses dragging all the livestock from the now-abandoned hamlet toward a bonfire made from the now-destroyed horse stable. Oh, come on, Ma, Summer said. You said yourself that us Joneses was the toughest bunch of gremlins we had, and us tough Joneses can't fight on no empty stomachs. We're going to fight with no stomachs at all if we wait round here till the Union shows up and catches us out in the open, Mar grumbled. We got to train to catch. If we don't sneak aboard before it makes its last stop in Hollow Point this evening, we're going to be stuck out in the middle of nowhere with nothing to do except die. All right, all right, Summer said, rolling his eyes. Here, let me try and stop a bunch of gremlins from pillaging. He cleared his throat and without raising his voice at all said flatly, Hey, y'all, hey, you stop that right there. Go on now. Stop. Of course, nobody heard him over the chaos and merriment. When nothing happened, he turned to Ma and shrugged, a goofy grin on his face, then went off to eat some horse meat offered to him by one of his Jones sycophants. Ma sighed. She supposed he had a point. It wasn't only Joneses that had gotten sucked into the allure of a human village ripe for the raiding. Hell, she probably shot more humans in summer in the last hour or so. Sure, they needed to get moving, 
but a little mayhem was good for morale, or something like that. It had been too much mayhem, and now absolutely everyone was drunk. But that was fine. At least Summer thought that was fine. He was also feeling pretty fine. And drunk. Ma was a bit more careful, but she'd certainly not abstained from the festivities. She'd barely been successful in corralling the tuckets and marching them off into the wilderness, where they were planning to sneak around Hollow Point to the northern side where they could hop aboard a train. According to Ma, there was some kind of maintenance station that was just a mile or so west of Hollow Point. Summer's job with all his Joneses was to sit there and wait in the ditch until he saw the train go by. Then they were going to storm that gate and make a big ruckus. Then Ma was going to open the gate and let the Joneses in. Then they were going to rush the mountain and steal the Leviathan technology. Then Summer was going to blow the tuckets up. Practically nothing could go wrong with this plan. Pa! Lanny shouted. Summer jumped. Lanny, what in the hell are you doing here? You were supposed to stay behind and watch your things while the rest of us was out getting some glory. I got scared and lonely, Lenny said. He patted the pig he was holding on the head. The pig snorted contentedly. So I snuck on one of them boats. Summer squinted as he looked at his son. There was something different about him, but he couldn't quite place it. Then again, he was also drunk. Where's your hat, boy? Summer said, finally realizing what seemed so different. Lenny had left his gremlin general hat back in the bayou. I wanted to be one of the guys again, Lenny said. I didn't want no special treatment or nothing, so I left the hat at home. He paused and looked around. It also wouldn't let me fit on the boat without knocking everyone overboard, so everyone made me take it off. Summer growled and muttered something nondescript under his breath. Looking around, he took stock of the situation. In front of him were the gates to the Hollow Point Center. Through there, they would be able to go to the pumping station if they chose, or go directly into the mountain itself. The mountain was much more likely to be the place where the humans stored the juicy tech, so he and Ma had agreed to check there first. The train also would let the tuckets off closer to that point anyway. Unfortunately, that meant that the Joneses would have to fight through the center of Hollow Point to get to the mountain. All they had to do was wait in the ditch until they heard the train. Summer woke up a few minutes later, wondering what had happened. Maybe he'd had a bit too much to drink, but the village they'd ransacked had housed several kegs of beer. That kind of find was a rare one. Usually, if you wanted to raid the alcohol stores, you had to go to one of the bigger towns, and they were always very heavily guarded. Mar said she figured it was some kind of shipment that was spending the night. Lucky for them. Pa, Lenny said. Shh, Summer said sleepily. I'm listening for the train. I won't be able to hear it over your gum flapping, so why don't you zip it for a minute? A faint buzzing sound registered at the edge of Summer's awareness. At first he thought it was just the sound of the frost run raging in the distance, but soon he realized that several, well, several dozen of his Jones counterparts were snoring in their hiding places. 
It's fine, Summer said out loud. We're just waiting anyhow. It'd be good for some of us to get some shut-eye before all that glory. All they had to do was wait in the ditch until they heard the train. Pa, Lenny said again. Didn't I just tell you to shut up, Summer said. That was 15 minutes ago, Pa, Lenny said. You's been asleep. I ain't, Summer said, yawning. I've been as aware as a fox. Besides, all we gotta do is wait in this ditch for... A train horn sounded. It was extremely close. It was going extremely fast. Aw, shit, Summer said. Well, that ain't the break, Ma yelled as the train horn sent sonic vibrations through her body. Ma had never been on a train before. She was pretty sure she liked it. It was fast, loud, exciting. But she really wished she thought to figure out how to operate the damn thing before the Tuckets killed the crew. This don't seem very sneaky-like, Ma, Trixabelle said, screaming over the howling wind and the incessant grinding of the train's massive engine. I know what I'm doing, Mar yelled as she pulled frantically at the controls. The human with the funny hat that had been driving the train left a bit of himself all over the console. And Ma couldn't read that well to begin with, so there weren't any instructions for her to follow. But there weren't that many levers and buttons and switches. Just enough to make it interesting. For the first time in her life, she wished Zip were here. He was obsessed with human technology and could have figured this out right away. In fact, now that she thought of it, maybe it would have been good to include Zip on a mission that revolved around using and then stealing human technology. It was a little late for that now, though. Ma, Trixabelle said. What's that? Ma followed the line of Trixabelle's finger out the front of the train and towards a whole mess of lights that were getting very big, very fast. That there's the gate, Mar yelled. She turned around, knowing that almost nobody was going to be able to hear her. All y'all tuckets better hold on to something. Just so she felt like she was doing something, Mar reached up and pulled the chain that sounded the horn. It rang out just before the front of the train collided with the gate at full speed, smashing through as though it had been made of old rotted wood. The impact sent Tucket Gremlins rolling forward like tumbleweeds, screeching and howling something fierce, barely audible above the grinding of the train. It tilted one way, then back the other, then finally came off the rails altogether and flopped sideways. The world turned 90 degrees to the right. The wall of the car became the floor, the other wall of the car became the ceiling, and the Gremlins became projectiles. The crunching of stone, the splintering of wood, and groaning in metal doing things that metal was not supposed to do, had turned the world into a symphony of chaos, surpassing everything that Mar had experienced to her memory. Granted, there wasn't a whole lot of time to reflect on the noise level of past experiences while she was holding on to one of the train controls for dear life. That control, incidentally, turned out to be the brake she'd been looking for the whole time. Even though the train was now completely off the tracks, she could hear the wheels screech as the brake applied and the engine came to a complete stop. Mar's ears rang. All around her gremlins in various states of disarray picked themselves up, or didn't, and instinctively prepared their weapons for what was about to be a bit more combat than they'd initially intended. Trixabelle was upside down, 
with both her legs over her head, a position that Mar figured she was used to by now. Get up and go, Mar yelled. Get to the mountain and get us some shiny stuff. Gremlins poured out of the train, their war cry drowning out the alarm bells that rang out all over Hollow Point. Torches and lamps were being lit wherever they were available, and men of the Union, able to fight, gathered up their weapons and ran as fast as they could toward the source of the noise. Except they weren't running toward the train that had just blown a hole in the fortified complex. They were running toward the front gate, where the Joneses were. Mark couldn't help but jump in the air and whoop. Trixabelle must have noticed too, because she shot a few celebratory rounds in the air and cackled wildly. Their plan had worked. Summerteeth Jones was about to be crushed outside the gates of Hollow Point. From what Summer understood about the plan, the Joneses were supposed to storm the gate, cause a ruckus, and then the gates were supposed to open and let them in. Storming? Check. Ruckus. Ongoing. Gate? Still closed. What in the hell's going on around here? Summer yelled. Thankfully, the shock and surprise they'd caused had disoriented the Union troops, and they clearly weren't ready for a fight. Some of them were running around with rifles in their underwear, shouting orders at each other in a pitch more suited to a gremlin's voice than a human's. The gremlins, however, had been ready for this. They were spalling for a fight long before they crossed the frost run, and now their enthusiasm showed in spite of their drunkenness. Maybe because of it. Lenny, to summer surprise, was charging through a line of advancing Union riflemen, swinging the pig he carried by its hind legs and sending humans flying out of his path. At first, Summer was contemplating telling him not to waste food, but then he swore its effectiveness. The pig was rather large, and so was Lenny. It made for a terrifying combination. By some stroke of luck, the Union's fortifying wall defenses were either not operating or not operating properly, which allowed the gremlins free range in the field in front of the gate. Summer tried as hard as he could to see if there was some way he could breach the door on his own. What the hell was Mar doing over there? Summer fired a quick flurry of shots into a group of what he thought were Union troops who could just as easily have been gremlins or civilian humans or even a bunch of Silurids for all he knew. It was so damn dark, and he was pretty drunk. Whatever he was shooting at, he wasn't even totally sure he hit any of them. Why wasn't that damn gate open? Why would Mark come all the way out here only to not open the gate? Then it hit him. Summer had been set up. This was all a big diversion so that Mark could get the goods and leave Summer and the Joneses to die. Damn it all, son, Summer said as he came alongside Lenny and fired his blunderbuss into the face of an unfortunate Union troop. We's been set up. It's called a diversion, Pa, Lenny said, and I told you. You shut your damn mouth and listen, Summer said. We gonna die if we just sit here like a bunch of idiots. You and me and the Joneses are going to circle to the west and get through that big hole that Mar just made with that there train. Then we're going to get in front of them, get to the loop first, and use it to kill every damn tucket we see. Clear? Clear, Pa, Lenny said. He clubbed a downed soldier over the head with his pig, much to the dismay of both the pig and the soldier. That crafty, conniving, dastardly witch. 
It didn't matter that someone was pretty much going to do the same thing to her as soon as he got his hands on that juicy Union technology. It was the principle of the matter. Gremlins didn't stab gremlins in the back, unless they were facing the other way. All right, everyone, Summer yelled over the din of battle. Y'all finish whatever killing you're doing over here first, and then follow me. The race is on. The distraction at the front gate had worn out, it seemed. That and the fact that the Tucky Gremlins had been indiscriminately shooting or blowing up nearly everything that had been in their path, from the breach wall to the mountain entrance. Mark couldn't blame them. It was in the Gremlins' nature to sow chaos wherever they went. She did wish, however, that just once they might be able to calm down a bit and focus on the goal. The hollow, gigantic mountain interior of Hollow Point was well lit by gas lamps and torches, casting light that glinted across giant heaps of metal and stone. Ma didn't know too much about what went on here, but she'd bet either a whole lot of nothing or a whole lot of something. The place just looked like a Jones house after a drunken party, but she couldn't tell if it was from lack of use or way too much use. Tables and chairs littered the stone floor, butted up against strange metallic equipment of dubious usage and origin. It reminded Ma of Zip's workshop, only bigger, which told her it was probably an actual workshop. Everybody spread out and start hunting for stuff, Ma said. Grab anything that looks shiny and interesting, and get the hell out of here. The Union's coming for us from behind, and we don't want to fight here. Ma hustled around the main entryway, looking at everything, picking things up, shaking them, smelling them, and even licking them. None of it was recognizable to her. Not even anything that looked like a gear or a gun. The nuts and bolts were easy to identify, because they were actually nuts and bolts, but everything else remained a mystery. Toward the back of the entryway, Mark could see that the cabin continued on into the mountain, but she knew they wouldn't have time for that. The Union would be on their heels in no time, and it was unlikely to be another way out of the mountain. Outside, she could hear the first rumblings of panic and fighting reaching the entrance. They were already almost out of time. Hurry up, y'all, she yelled. Eventually, they're going to run out of Joneses to kill out there, and then they're going to find some Tuckets to kill instead. Now, I think I found some Tuckets to kill right here, Summer Teeth Jones said. You, Ma yelled, whirling around. She shot at him, but missed in her surprise. That's right, Summer said. A band of Jones gremlins stand out behind him as they rushed into the mountain. Us. The whole cabin seemed to stand still. Outside, more noises blossomed from the awkward silence that had taken over the mountain laboratory. These were definitely Union troops, or at least some kind of human force, quickly mustering, and headed towards the mountain entrance fast. Ma and Summer looked at each other without blinking. Someone near the back of the cavern belched loudly. So what we're going to do about this, Summer said. If an I'm to kill you right now, we all going to die here. He grinned. Especially you, Ma. You gonna die especially. Ma wasn't totally sure what he meant by that, particularly because she was holding her own weapon and pointing it at Summer. Summer, who was holding a blunderbuss from about 30 feet away, wasn't going to do as much damage as Ma was going to do with a revolver. Then again, Ma was a little drunk too. 
With the way they'd all behaved during the ransacking of that village, there was a good chance that a fight in this cavern would waste all of their ammo and hit absolutely no one. Whatever conversation they were about to have was interrupted by something tumbling in the entrance of the mountain and exploding. It sent things flying in every direction, including gremlins, and Ma barely saw the form of Summer hurling toward her, his face a mask of shock. He wasn't caught totally off guard, though, as he took the time to aim at her, mid-air and fire a round out of his blunderbuss. It went wide, chattering a glass beaker on a nearby table. Well, the time for scheming had ended, and the time for one and violence had begun. So be it. But Ma would be damned if she would let the Joneses walk out of here with more gremlins alive and more loot in their pockets than the Tuckets. All right, Tuckets, Ma yelled, knocking a Jones gremlin unconscious with the back of her spoon. Grab, kill, and run. All y'all Joneses, Summer yelled. Grab what you can and get. We's out of time. He was positive he'd given the order before Ma, since he was so smart and all. But it didn't matter much at this point. The explosion that had rocked the cabin had been some kind of bomb thrown in from the Union forces on the outside, who were obviously trying to smoke him out. Summer could hear one of the humans on the other side of the mountain screaming bloody murder at his troops for using incendiaries near the valuables, which Summer took to mean blowing up important things. Either way, there weren't any more explosions. That was good. It meant that the humans were going to have to come into the cavern to fight. That gave them time to find more stuff. The bad part was that as soon as they left the cave, the humans would be able to use whatever they wanted to fight. Summer started looking around the room, deciding to let his gremlins do the fighting for him as he scanned for anything that might be valuable. He had no idea what he was looking at. He found one tooth device that he was pretty sure humans used to make their hair look nice, but it didn't look like it was very good at shooting people. What about this over here, Pa? Lenny yelled from a distance. Summer looked over to see his son dutifully wielding his pig against a group of tuckets and stopping between strokes to gesticulate a large wooden crate near the back corner of the main room. That's a big wooden crate, you dummy, Summer yelled. He picked up what he was sure was a toothbrush, another useless human item. I'm talking about the inside, Paul, Lenny said. Summer spat and shot a Union man in the chest with his blunderbuss sending them flying backwards into another group of Union men who fell backwards on the feet of a third advancing group of Union men. It was a very satisfying sight. Dashing over to where his idiot son was defending a giant wooden box, he helped Lenny mop up a couple of tuckets, and then climbed up inside the crate and glanced down inside. He didn't quite comprehend what he saw, but he knew that he wanted it, and he knew that he wanted it now. It wasn't just clean and metallic. It was downright glimmery, shiny, glossy. And it definitely had triggers on it. Oh, Summer said. Oh my, Lanny. This is it. This is the Levy Iceman, or at least some of it. Get up here and help me with this, you big lunk. Leviathan, Lanny said as he loped over. The pace of the battle all around them had intensified, leaving Summer's ears ringing just about every other second. 
He popped his head out of the crate for a moment and looked around for anything he might have to shoot. He found a few things. He shot them. It was a pretty standard bit of insanity for the gremlins, but Surma had his eye on the prize. Unfortunately, that meant he didn't have his eye on Ma. You get, Ma yelled as she swung at him with her spoon. Summer had been glanced by the spoon before, but he had never taken a direct hit across the side of his skull, so he anticipated a small, sharp sting. Instead, he found himself being blown sideways with an incredible amount of force from the opposite direction. Summer tried to yell, but he'd gotten the wind knocked out of him so it came out as a strangled gasp. Slamming into the side of the cabin wall, he slid down like a thrown egg, wondering what the hell had just happened. His unfocused eyes came to rest on the edge of the crate, where he saw not Ma, but Lenny, holding something that looked like a metallic pedestal, except it was pumping back and forth with ferocity, making hissing sounds as it retracted. Sorry, Pa, Lenny called out. I didn't know it was going to do that. For as bad as Summer felt, Ma looked the worse for wear. She'd ended up getting blown through a large pile of refuse, that had practically exploded upon her impact. Although clearly, and unfortunately, not dead, there was no doubt in Summer's mind that she was extremely dazed. He could practically see the drool coming out of her mouth from his own crumpled position. Pulling himself to his feet, he waved off Lenny's apology, mostly because he was having trouble getting air to come out of his lungs, and jogged back over to the crate. What the hell is that? Summer said. I got no idea, Pa, Lenny said. It says L-E-G-5-C on it. What's that mean? No idea, Summer said, practically diving back into the crate. But we gotta find out what else is in here quick. He started digging through the pile of rubble, realizing very quickly that there was no way he was going to be able to carry any of this. So he popped over the top of the crate and waved his arms. Hey, y'all get over here and help me with this stuff so we can skedaddle. Immediately, he saw Grunlin start rushing toward him, and without thinking, Summer started to hand him pieces of equipment in the crate to Lenny. After a few rounds of this, they both realized that Lenny was stronger, so he hopped inside the crate too, tossing out pieces of the Leviathan to any Grunlin that came over the edge of the crate. Boy, it was getting loud outside. Hey, Pa, Lenny said after they packed nearly half the crate clean. It obviously wasn't the entire Leviathan, but it was enough. You been checking to see if we's handing stuff to Tuckets? Summer stopped, an unidentifiable piece of metal in his hands, and looked at Lenny. You mean to tell me that you ain't checking? No, Pa, thought that was your job. Summer took a moment before sticking his head over the top of the crate to find what looked like, well, a horde of drunken gremlins using old Union technology to kill each other. Aw, shit, he said. Ma Tuckett was in the middle of a firestorm. The interior of the mountain threatened to collapse with every blast. Union troops were fleeing Hollow Point instead of trying to defend it, now that the gremlins had gotten a hold of some of their tech. Ma had been too far away to get anything herself, but she'd always preferred her spoon anyway. 
Trixabelle was lashing about with a long piece of sharp curved metal that didn't look very high-tech. Actually, now that Ma was looking closer around the room, it didn't appear that there was a lot of high-tech usage going on at all. Most of the parts that the gremlins had stolen from the crate looked to be connectors and rods and other parts that had no apparent usage by themselves, so they were just enthusiastically using them as bludgeoning weapons. Someone, she couldn't see who, did appear to have some kind of rapid-fire pistol or cannon or something, but they didn't have any ammunition. Martucket, Summer yelled, appearing from out of the chaos in front of her. He was holding what looked like the largest blunderbuss Mar had ever seen. Lenny, behind him, was helping keep it up. Mar froze where she stood. None of her tucky gremlins were around her at the moment. In fact, many of them were slowly fighting their way toward the entrance. She'd given them instructions to get what they could and flee, of course, but she wished that they hadn't picked this one time to follow her orders so quickly. You thought you could just leave us Joneses for dead, Summer said. Well, we got a bit more upstairs than you thought we did. He took a menacing step forward. Unfortunately, he didn't tell Lenny. He was talking to his pig to take a step forward, so Summer fell on his face when the device didn't move with him. Damn it, boy, Summer said. Can't you see I'm grandstanding here? Sorry, Pa, Lenny said, stepping forward. Summer cleared his throat. Well, I guess the mood is all spoiled now. But I wanted to say that you thought you could trick me, but you didn't. And now if you would kindly turn yourself round so I can shoot you in the back, it'd be most appreciated. Ma didn't know what else to do in this situation, except what she always did. She scowled at Summer T. Jones and waved her spoon in the air. You go straight to hell, Summer T. Jones, she screamed. You first, Summer said with a grin. He pulled the trigger. Absolutely nothing happened. Damn it all, Lanny, what did you... Oh, sorry, Pa, I forgot to put the... The ground underneath Summer and Lanny exploded with the blast of whatever it was they were using, sending both gremlins flying backwards through the air and out of the entrance of the mountain. You moron, Summer yelled. Maul was about to gloat over the obvious victory that the Tuckets had just achieved, but the Union had other ideas. Now that some of the gremlins were spilling out of the mouth of the mountain entrance, the Union had fewer reservations when it came to blowing things up. And blowing things up is exactly what they began to do. Something landed next to Ma and locked her sideways into the legs of a table. The table collapsed, sending glass and metal tools raining down all around her. But it ended up being a good thing, since it protected her from the next burst of shrapnel that came hurtling the water. Ma heard Trixabelle yell something unintelligible from the other side of the room. Tuckets, Ma cried. Grab and get. Gremlins poured out the entrance of Hollow Point and raced back toward the spot where the train had broken through the wall. Some gremlins... She couldn't tell what family they were from, started to move them back toward the main entrance, since fewer Union troops seemed to be in the area. And for a moment, Ma thought about going with them. But then some kind of vehicle with machine guns on it started rolling toward that area, and Ma thought that perhaps it was not the wisest course of action. Just as she turned toward the train wreck again, she noticed that another train wreck was developing. 
the Union hadn't just resurged. It called in reinforcements. What had simply been the night watch now transformed into something resembling an organized army. All over the open field, gremlins were being exploded, shot, or otherwise obliterated. The whole wood train had come through the gate rapidly filled with Union troops. The ground rumbled with the sounds of war. Oh, we in trouble now, Mars said to nobody in particular. So it was a great shock when Summer responded. Yep, he said. In his hands, he appeared to be holding a stripped-down version of the weapon he and Lenny had previously found. Thought you'd shoot me in the back, Ma said. Summer, without looking at her, held up the weapon, which was smoking from very recent use. Missed, he said. Ah, Ma said. In front of them, a group of gremlins tackled a heavily armored Union trooper waving a flamethrower around. They managed to get the business end away from him but not before the gasoline leaking from the backpack the soldier was wearing ignited, sending all of them flying outward. We're going to die if we don't work together, Summer said. Yep, Ma said. I'm still shoot you in the back someday, Summer said. I'm still gut you with my spoon, Ma said. I'd be insulted if you didn't. A long moment of silence followed. I tell you what, Summer said. I'm going to take all my little pieces of Leviathan and go over there. He pointed to the right of the train wreck. You take all your little pieces of Leviathan and go over there. He pointed to the left of the train wreck. And we just pour hate and discontent into that little hole until all those Unioners go away. Then we get back on the boats and we don't talk to each other for a while. Ma drew her pistol and shot a Union rifleman who'd gotten too close. Summer T. Jones, Ma said, I think that's a fine idea. Gremlins. The word bounced off the walls of the small, well-guarded and well-insulated room. Outside, torches and lamps blurred lines in the darkness as the man carrying them raced across the deteriorating battlefield that Hollow Point had become. Outside the observation tower's window, chaos had erupted so quickly and with such immeasurable force that Ackerton was having trouble putting it all into words. Gremlins, Yulk repeated. At least the gremlins looked like they were fleeing, carrying whatever they could out of the mouth of Hollow Point and back toward the train gate. Ackerton thought they'd do this, so we hoped to outsmart them by ordering everyone to reinforce that point as soon as they'd entered. There were no tunnels leading through the mountain, so the gremlins would have to come out eventually. And when they did, yes, sir, Ackerton said, looking at the floor. He knew he shouldn't have traded watch command nights with Piff. Anything involving Piff always ended up going sideways. You let gremlins in a hollow point. To be fair, sir, we didn't let them. You let gremlins crash a train into the wall of hollow point, pour in like a damn rat infestation, and let them run off with who knows what kind of technology. Well, they haven't run off yet, sir, Atkinson said, gesturing out the window. In fact, it looks as if we might be able to... A huge explosion rocked the entire base, sending Ackerton stumbling to the side. Yoke didn't move an inch. When he recovered, Atkinson peered out the window to see what had happened. Where a large body of Union troops had been standing just a moment before, there was now a smoking hole in the ground, decorated with bright, colorful flames. 
Oddly, he found himself trying to figure out how to make blue flame instead of trying to figure out what had just happened. Well, Yulk said, it looks like they figured out how to use some of the stuff they stole. A pair of gremlins, just a couple of silhouettes in the darkness to Acton's eyes, had split their forces to either side of the hole in the wall and started firing whatever they had into the breach. It seemed as though the gremlins were holding Hollow Point, and the Union had been the ones trying to force their way in. Yolk didn't offer any more commentary, as the Union forces melted under the pressure of the ancient technology, combined with all of them being in a single spot upon which the gremlins rained down fire. Acton thought the expression about sitting ducks was appropriate, but something about his survival instincts told him to remain quiet. Then, as suddenly as it began, it ended. Gremlins ran out the hole like ants, fleeing from a flooded anthill, and vanished into the darkness. Hollow Point fell silent, except for the secondary explosions, and the crackling of flames, and the screaming of men and gremlin alike. And a gremlin pulling the steam horn in the obliterated train for no apparent reason. Hollow Point wasn't actually that quiet. Ackerton... Yes, Ackerton said, his voice cracking. Go get a shovel. Yes, sir, Ackerton said. If he found Piff, he was going to hit him with it. That's it for another episode of the Breachside Broadcast. Join us next time for more Tales of Malifaux.